You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, hello and welcome to Dr. Jeff Werber here and Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And I'm here for you. I'm here to answer your questions. I'm here to talk in pets, especially dogs and cats, my favorite. But we'll get you information on anything you need to know. Uh, you need to just give us a call at 877-385-8882. Once again, 385-8882. And that is area code 877. And you can also just send me a quick little note to drjeff. That's Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio. Dot com. We are one of the few live shows here on Pet Life Radio, and we're just thrilled to be here. Of course, we want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, and their, our partner retailers like Target, like Walmart, where you can get some great products for your pets. By the way, speaking of ProSense, if anyone dares to call us with a question or send us an email, we will, as a gift from ProSense, send you out a free ProSense pet products. You can't lose. Get some free advice. Takes a few minutes of your time and you get a ProSense pet product gift right after it's sent to you directly. How cool is that? And also want to welcome another one of our hopefully soon to be sponsors. They're testing the waters. We're testing the waters. And that is the Pet Health Network. You can go and reach them at PetHealthNetwork.com. And I am one of their many bloggers. Fantastic stuff. In fact, I think one of my blogs is being posted on Monday. So you want to, uh, if you want to go on and, and check out Pet Health Network, a great team of veterinarians, some of whom will actually be guests on my show here with you. So uh, you, you can give a call and actually get the opinions of two veterinarians, which is really cool. So, um, you know, interestingly, one of the blogs, and I wrote, I was uh, at the North American Veterinary Conference last week, and um, a great conference, by the way. In a couple of weeks, I'm heading to Las Vegas for the Western Veterinary Conference. And interestingly, one of the big topics and one of the big challenges that we have in veterinary medicine, obviously, is the high cost of quality medicine. Drugs have gone up in price. The equipment has gone up in price. Rent, payroll. I mean, all of this stuff has gone up, which means that if you have a well-staffed, well-stocked facility that you take your pets to, a facility that is either open 24 hours or at least has the equipment that you want your pet to have and at the very least, a technician available at the hospital to be with hospitalized pets 24 hours, it costs. And what we found so interesting at this seminar, this one particular seminar that I attended, was that in Sweden, almost 60% of pet owners have pet insurance for their pets. In the United Kingdom, it's about 40%, a little under 40%, which is still amazing. What makes it even more amazing when you think about those numbers, I mean 60%, 40%, that in the United States, probably, arguably, the craziest nation in the world when it comes to pets and pet care and how we view our pets, part of the family, and what we would do for them, less than 1% of you, let me say that one more time, less than 1% of you, pet parents, pet owners, call yourselves what you like, actually have insurance for your pets. Now, what drives me nuts is I understand that quality care is expensive. To run a practice is very expensive. Owners complain all the time about fees and about the cost and how come there are no payment plans and this and that and the other. They, they're always looking for excuses 
and not to pay or, or trying to negotiate. Meanwhile, ask them if they have pet insurance for their pets, and their answer is no. So you really need to speak with your veterinarian. There are really a number of good companies out there. You, you know, Hopefully you can listen to this again and again online on Pet Life Radio, but I'll name just a, a handful. But you need to go out and do your homework and check into what you want, what kind of plan you want, what the kind of plan you can afford, but you absolutely need to have your pets insured. Or the alternative is set up an account in their name and contribute to it every month like you would the premium for your pet insurance policy. And you're basically, we call that self-insuring, where you don't use it or on the little things, but if you build it up every month, every quarter, however often you want to make your contributions to the account, you open up a savings account in Buffy's name or in Bowser's name or whatever, and like clockwork, no excuses, you make your deposit. And at the end of a couple of years, you're going to have a few thousand dollars sitting around, which you can use as needed. But either way, you need to do something to plan for the future. And what I often tell my clients simply is that you're going to find you're going to need it the most when you don't have it. And that's the crime. So look into companies like Trupanion, Embrace, Pet Plan, Pet Best, ASPCA, Pet Care, VPI. These are all companies that have insurance policies. I cannot make a blanket statement and tell you what's best for your pet, but you know what's best for your pet. You know what you want. You know whether you want wellness care. You know if you're worried about cancer care. You know you know if you have a dog that has a lot of uh, familial or congenital issues, the different companies will cover familial or congenital issues as long as they weren't present when you start the policy. Other companies will actually have riders for cancer treatment. Other companies will have wellness care plans. So if you take your pet in just for vaccines or just for the routine dentistry or the routine annual blood test without a problem, or others, you can opt for just major accident or illness insurance, which is going to be a little less expensive. So the key is it all depends. You can custom tailor a plan that's best for you, but it is so critical that you have pet insurance. The worst thing, there is something, a term that for those of you who haven't heard this term, it's going to blow your mind. And we unfortunately have to refer to it often in veterinary medicine, especially in certain parts of the country, and that is called economic euthanasia. And basically what that means is that people are willing to put a pet to sleep simply because they either can't afford to or don't want to spend the money, even if they had it, on a dog or on a cat or on a bird or a pocket pet, and they opt for euthanasia rather than spending the money to either get a diagnosis or to treat. Economic euthanasia. Pretty frightening. Of course, our listeners here at Pet Life Radio, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, aren't thinking about economic euthanasia. I know you want to do the best for your pets, but in order to do so, it is really important to make sure that you are prepared for that major illness, for that accident, and get yourself signed up to a pet insurance policy. Let me know what you think. I want to know. I'd love to know. And hey, free ProSense pet product. Give us a call at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. And let me know if you have pet insurance, if you've talked about it. I also want to know, and this is you know, kind of a, one of my pet peeves, pardon the pun, how many veterinarians, how many veterinary hospitals don't mention anything about pet insurance when clients come in? I mean, I train my staff not to ask, do you have a pet insurance policy? I train them to ask, which pet insurance policy do you have? The assumption being, of course, that you do have one, even though we know they don't. But that way, it really stresses the importance 
of when you go in and they ask you, which pet insurance company are you with? If you knew nothing about pet insurance, if you didn't even know that pet insurance existed, that the option is there, then you might say, oh, what? Pet insurance? There's pet insurance? It's the same thing with microchipping. Every pet should be microchipped. And it's important to make sure when you check into your vet's office that they are asking you, is your pet microchipped or which microchip company does your pet have a microchip with? So again, I hate hearing when someone says, oh, I I didn't know there's pet insurance for pets. I I didn't know a microchip, you can actually put a chip into your dog. I mean, guys, this is amazing stuff. and And every, every single pet should have a microchip. So that's something that we want to make sure that you start doing like right away because it's very important. So give me a holler. Send me a note here at Pet Life Radio. Just you can either, uh, if you're listening online right now, down at the bottom of the uh, Pet Life Radio, you see that box and you can join the conversation and you can, uh, you know, let us know right away. If you have any questions, we'll, we'd love to hear your questions. And then um, if you want to give us a call, 877-385-8882. Or of course, you can always send me a quick email to drjeff, Dr. Jeff at drjeff.com. And uh, I just also would love to know how you guys are doing in the uh, the winter. I was just at, as I mentioned, at the North American Veterinary Conference, talking to a number of veterinarians like uh, everywhere in the in the country, and hearing still some of these insanely cold temperatures is just is uh, it's frightening. How are your pets faring this winter? All I can tell you is it's too warm here right now. And I went up to the mountains a couple of weeks ago to Mammoth Mammoth Lakes, California, where. Typically has amazing snow in the Sierras, and it is really not that good. The snowboarding or skiing is extremely suspect, and um, I'm sure hoping that at some point during the season we're going to have uh, some better snowfall because um, I'm anxious to uh, be out there and, and do some some real boarding. Anyway, I wanted to uh, take our, our first quick break here at Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. When we come back, we are going to answer a question that I received from one of our listeners about the etiquette, if you will, for lack of a better term, of asking your veterinarian for a second opinion. Under what circumstances? Who should you go to? Is it appropriate to ask? Should it be offered before you ask? These are all the things we're going to talk about when we come back. Stay tuned. Here we're with Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, and we'll be back in just a minute. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Swipe It's a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E. ETS, a simple solution for shedding. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. 
having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika, Kate Abbott, and Petra Burke. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome back. Here you are live with Dr. Jeff Forber. I'm your host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on the one and only Pet Life Radio, part of the iHeart Radio Network, which is very impressive. Anyway, so just before the break, I had a, an interesting question from one of our listeners, and they were concerned that they, were, they had an issue going on with their pet, their dog, and the veterinarian, and things were, for lack of a better term, stale. I mean, and that means nothing was really wrong but both the veterinarian and, of course, the owner were, were becoming maybe a bit frustrated that they weren't getting the answers they needed. Our listener asked, is it okay to ask for a second opinion? And are you going to hurt the veterinarian's feelings? And, you know, a good veterinarian and totally love the vet. And here were my suggestions. I think it's a good thing just to talk about because it's not uncommon. And first of all, when you know or you think that a problem is going on and the answers just aren't coming, or they're coming, the answers are there, but the treatment's not coming. There are a number of sayings that I live by, and one of my favorite is this. And even though you don't live here in Southern California, I think you can guess the answer, and that is the following. You're running along the beach in Malibu, and you hear the hoofbeats chasing you from behind. What are you thinking, horses or zebras? And of course, that most of the cases we deal with are horses, meaning the obvious things, the more likely things. But that's the biggest problem on, on a side note that we see with young graduates and students is because they are learning clinical medicine from the veterinary teaching hospitals and the teaching hospitals are the ones that do end up with a lot of the zebras because of referrals from the GPs, the general practitioners that are, you know, these are cases, bizarre, once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime cases that are way beyond the means of a GP. And they end up with all the specialists at the university. So these graduates get out thinking that every case is a zebra. Every case are these odd, bizarre cases. And they're ready to start looking for those weird things and never thinking, wait a second, time out, time out. We have to rule out the obvious things. So the approach that most of us take to a case is we're not thinking zebras. We're thinking horses. We're thinking, what could this be? Let's test for the things that are most likely and rule them out first. And once we do that, we can then approach or start looking for some stranger, weirder, more esoteric problems that, as I call, the zebras. So when you have a case that is sort of stumping the doc, either from a diagnostic standpoint or a therapeutic standpoint, when that happens to me, and trust me, it does, and I, I joke, I'm very happy being a GP, a general practitioner, as I call myself. I am the quintessential jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I mean, I certainly have certain interests. I may do things a little bit more frequently than some of my GP colleagues may do. And then again, they do other disciplines that they've sort of enjoy working on more than I do. 
But we all have our limitations as GPs. The beauty of the specialist is that they have honed in on one discipline, whether it's internal medicine, whether it's cardiology, whether it's dermatology, whether it's oncology, whether it's dentistry, whether it's behavior, right? And that's what they do. And they do it very well. So when I see, I refer for a number of reasons. Number one is the obvious. This is a really tough case. I am not getting it. And I need some specialized diagnostic help that I just don't have the right equipment for, be it that half a million dollar ultrasound machine, be it the endoscope, the bronchoscope. I know it needs to be done. I just don't have the equipment to do it. Number two is a case that I am doing all the right tests and everything is pointing to nothing. And yet clearly the pet is having a problem. I need to call in the expert. I need to call in my, one of my friends, an internal medicine specialist who can help get the diagnosis. Number three is I got my diagnosis. And the dog has an often a typical response to the treatment that we should be using. And I have the right dose and I have the correct treatment, but nothing is helping. This dog or cat is not responding. Basically, the dog or the cat did not read the textbook. So they don't know that on this dose, at this time, given this way, they are supposed to be responding. And they don't. And therefore, I call in the specialist. If it's a surgery, that's just a surgery I just don't do. I'm going to call in a specialist. The last reason, so those are all obvious. And those, it basically, it's not an ego thing. It's basically saying, look, I don't have the equipment. The animal's not responding the way it should. And I'm kind of stuck. And I have to tell you that there's a certain strategic reason that your veterinarian, your general practitioner should be referring. And that's the following. If I see sometimes that a client and a good doctor should be able to read their clients. And when that client is starting to become a little bit dissatisfied, they're thinking you're just grabbing at tests, you're spending too much money, even though you know that you are doing it right, even though you may have already spoken to one of your referring docs on the phone for a little guidance, and they've told you what to do, and yet you still see the client ain't buying it. You know what? Refer. Absolutely. Your doctor should be referring. You never want to get the client. You never want to be upset with your veterinarian. So if that starts to happen, I refer. Now, if with all those things, the doctor still hasn't referred, there's nothing wrong with you asking. You know what, doc? I just would feel more comfortable getting a second opinion. But here is the etiquette. Here's the only thing that I recommend. When a client tells me, well, their friend had this problem and their vet did so-and-so, I don't want to hear it. When you are going to get a referral or ask for a referral, it should be, in my humble opinion, to a specialist. There's not necessarily brainy sense in going from one GP, a good GP, hopefully you're, you love your vet, you've been going for a long time, you trust them, from one GP to another GP. That's what we call a lateral move, all right? If you really want to get the bang for your buck, you have all the stuff, all the tests, the results, the treatments copied, and go to a specialist. Because what's happening is there you're sort of moving up the expert ladder from your extremely competent, great veterinarian, general practitioner to a specialist. So that would be my recommendation. The only time I, I take a little bit of offense and I tell a client, you're not going to get any better. I mean, I, I trust me, I, I'm okay with going to, a, to getting the second opinion. But if you're going to get the second opinion, at least get it from someone who's way better than I am. And I don't know that that GP down the street is better than I am. I'm not saying they're worse. They're the same. They're good. But you need even better than good. Therefore, if you're going to do it, you want to ask. Now, why don't I mind and why you should think that your veterinarian should never mind when you ask 
is that one of two things are going to happen, and it, which is, by the way, why I don't like to wait until I'm asked. I want to do it before I'm asked. If I send to a specialist and that specialist gets an answer that I couldn't get, you're still going to love me because I admitted you know, we need some extra equipment. We need some extra help here. Let's send it to the specialist. If that specialist agrees with me completely in everything I've done and is just going to continue doing what I'm doing, I look fantastic. I look as good as a specialist. So either way, when your veterinarian sends before you ask, it's a win-win-win-win-win. Everybody's going to win. And you're going to come away usually thinking, great, what you don't want is to go to that specialist because they asked, not because you were sent. And that specialist takes one look at the blood work, one look, it doesn't even do an extra test and just says, wait a second, this is so-and-so and starts putting on the right treatment. Then you're going to feel a little bit suspect with your, uh, your veterinarian. Anyway, we have, we have a caller on the line. Hello, can you, uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Hello. How are you? What's your name? I'm doing good. Uh, my name is Laura. Hello, Laura. Hey. What can I do for you? I have a question about nutrition. I have a, we have two cats. Okay. One is thin. One is hugely obese. Okay. All right. And we just, we give them some, you know, dry food in the morning and some in the evening. Right. And I don't give them that much. And I'm just trying to figure out how can I get this one cat you know, maybe I'm not feeding him right, or may have to feed them separate. I don't know. All right, what I they do have is, a cat door, so they go in and out. Right, go in and out. Right. So here's here's the thing. Well, it could be that the thin cat is just more active outside. I have eight cats. We have mealtime in the morning where I feed them all some canned food. And then when they're done, and that is literally I'm standing over them, each one has their own separate bowl, and right. I can monitor what each one is eating. Two of my cats, embarrassingly so, are all well, actually three, are rather large, and I'm talking over 20 pounds. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, they're now. big cats. Feel- Two of them are really big cats. One is a Maine Coon Norwegian Forest Cat Cross, oh, okay. and one is just, yeah. he's just a huge bone cat. But I, look, I'm not going to you know, butter up. They're pretty overweight, <laughs> and they love to eat. So after yeah. they've eaten their meal meal, which I monitor, I know how much to give each one, I will right. leave a little dry food in their bowls, free choice. So you basically have two challenges here. Number one is that you want to make sure the cat that's not eating or the thin cat really is able to eat without being disturbed by the other cat Right. to the yeah. point where the ration that you give him or her is finished, okay? Right. Now, the big cat should start being given less food and be really, very careful, especially with the dry food and especially with a big cat, an overweight cat, because type 2 diabetes is very common in cats, especially if they're overweight and especially if they're eating diets primarily of dry food because that dry food has a lot of carbs. Oh, so, okay. So I'm a big okay. fan for cats that are obligate carnivores. They, they need animal-based protein that we give them more of the of maybe canned food, whether it's salmon or, or, or meat or beef or chicken or poultry, something like that. They need to eat a little bit more canned food. There are also some, some special foods out there for diet maintenance, for diet management, dietary management, giving them low calories and yet the same amount of nutrients and protein they should be eating. I would think of that for the bigger cat. And then whatever you can do, come up with something around the house because you know that when they get out that kitty door, your big cat is not over-exercising. Because if he were, he wouldn't be huge. So, um, so we come up with, well, I don't know, my, one of my cats loves to chase laser lights. You know, the lights. So right. I sit and I get that thing right. on the wall and I'm playing and I'm getting him to run and to jump. And, you know, that seems to help. But 100%, and I know it is much more difficult to get a cat to lose weight than a dog to lose weight. Because rarely do you throw that leash or the harness on the cat and go out for a run. 
Right, right. Um, so, so that's something that they have to do on their own. But so for the, what I would do is dietary food for the big cat, monitor them carefully when you're feeding the, the main course, if you will. A little bit of, you know, leaving food out and let them kind of free choice feed during the day is okay. And, but I'm just, I want you to see to beef up the food for the little guy and decrease the amount of calories for the big guy. Right, right. And whatever you can rig up to make exercise fun, do it. Yeah, yeah. Our bulldog likes to play with them. So. Oh, you have a bulldog too? Yeah, well, I have, I have five dogs to go with eight cats. Go get them. Go get them. Yeah, exactly. I always joke. I said, you want to see your cat running around? You know, get yourself a, uh, a cat-eating dog, and you'll see them move pretty quickly. But no, you're... Yeah, she just wants to play with the cat. The oh, yeah, cat that's good. The dog. Well, yeah, well, I have two... the dog and hangs with the dog. So. Right. Two of my many, my many dogs as well are Frenchies. And they also just oh, yeah. love to play with the cats. Play with the cats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to try that. I'll try the, try the, I'll try the canned food in the morning, and then that's all he gets. Right. And then at night, I'll give him a little bit of dry go in and out at night, but right. not very much. And make sure to watch the carbs. Cut back on the carbs. Right. All right? Right. right. That must All right. Okay, and thank you. When you. Laura, when you hang up, either call Mark back at the studio and leave your information. We'll send you out a kitty product for your cats. Right, or or something you. for your dog, okay? Great, thanks. C- courtesy of ProSense. Thanks a lot. Have a great right, day. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye. So how easy was that, everybody? 877-385-8882. You can just call about anything. We'd love to hear from you. Free choice of a uh, free ProSense pet product out there. We'll talk about your dogs, your cats, whatever. And uh, anyway, I hope our little discussion we just had on the when to refer, when to ask for a referral, getting you that second opinion. I hope it helps you, gives you a little guideline because I really do want you to know that it is perfectly okay. And as I said, we do it all the time. I usually like to beat my client to the punch. I personally take it, you know, I do take it personally when the client has to ask me. I'm usually pretty good at knowing when we're on the right track, everything is working perfectly. I'm totally comfortable. So let's just keep it up versus, God, you know, I didn't expect that answer. I'm not getting the response I should be getting or, or God, I can't believe it. I ran all these tests. I'm not getting nothing pointed to a problem. In that case, we are going to uh, work a little harder and we'll get that, uh, that patient over to a specialist to help us out. Anyway, our uh, looks like our time is up. It goes fast. It goes really fast. So uh, once again, uh, thanks for joining me here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber. I want to thank ProSense. I want to thank Pet Health Network um, and our my retail partners, Target and Walmart. And uh, don't be bashful next week when we're on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. 1 p.m. the Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern Zone uh, here on Pet Life Radio. You can reach us at 877-385-8882. If you send me an email during the week to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and I use your question or comments on the air, you too will get a free ProSense pet product, so don't be shy. And thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.